We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the Casey Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. And Maddie, guess what? There's an app for this now. KCSN's uh, got an app. No, really? Does it work on Android and Apple Kit? Why, yes, it does. Oh my goodness! Look at look at KCSN go. Those guys, they, they got something going over there. Craig, how hard was it to design this app and find it out of nowhere? <laughs> No, that's not fair to the people who actually designed and created an excellent app that is way better than anything that I could have ever done in my wildest dreams. Those guys have killed it. If you don't know about it already, go on Google Play, go on the App Store, whatever you need to do, go get it. Uh, international people, it's coming into week probably, but if you are in the United States, you can go get it. It will keep you as up-to-date as possible with everything we have going on at KCSN. So please, please, please go and download that. Yeah, thanks for everybody's hanging out right now. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Please uh, help us, you know, support the channel. Leave a five-star review if you wouldn't mind as well on on whatever podcast platforms allow you to do so. Uh, unless the scale is five out of, or you know out of ten, and then maybe leave a ten out of ten. I I don't know. But anyways, really appreciate you. So uh, obviously next week's kind of big in Kansas City. We're obviously looking really close to. Uh, you know the Royals are going to win the first game. That ain't happening. They are one in. They're one in nine, about to be one in ten. Oh, they Just, did win one. Okay, uh, better than it, thought. At least, yeah, at least you know, one eighth of their home schedules almost already burned through. Um, but anyways, we're gonna go through to this week. We're going to look at the best fits on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball this week. So, um, we're gonna go round one, two, and three at every single position. 
Um, and we're going to start with the offense today because, of course, we're going to start with the offense, as we should. And we are literally going to uh, go through the quarterback position here, even though, yeah, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. The best day one fit for the Kansas City Chiefs on offense is Hendon Hooker being drafted in the first round so somebody else can, can, can fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. That is the best fit for the Kansas City Chiefs at the quarterback position. I am not even going to go around the horn on this one, but I do want to go around the horn on this one. Day two fits. You know, we can have some conversation about whether or not the Chiefs should or should not. That's probably where this is going to go. I'm going to read a quote from the incredible Dane Brugler, who is like the standard in this industry for draft content. He did his giant seven-round mock this week. Go check it out. I do want to read this excerpt from him. He has the Chiefs at pick 122, which is day three, selecting Jaron Hall, the quarterback out of BYU. He says the BYU connection between Andy Reid and Hall is a fun story, but I'm told the Chiefs love Hall's skill set. Kansas City understands the importance of of a backup quarterback so much that the Chiefs might even make this pick around earlier. It is in the realm of possibility that the Chiefs will burn a top 100 pick on a backup quarterback, and I understand the value of it. And this is not me trying to uh, dunk on Dane Brugler because Dane is just reporting excellently as he always does. Whew. If the Chiefs go Jaron Hall at ninety-five, I'm just I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I'm gonna love that move, guys. I put around six, seven grade on Jaron Hall. There's some interesting things about him. Really, you know, he's a good athlete. You know, show some ability down the field. He's willing to throw, you know, throw down the field a little bit. But man, there's just there's too much paint by numbers, and for being so athletic and having a pretty decent arm, just the the lack of creativity and, and the ability to get off that first read consistently really brings a lot of concern for me. I mean, I guess out of a backup quarterback, there's some qualities to work with, but I mean, I don't know if I'd be excited about pick ninety five. I mean, I'm not excited about pick 122. I'm going to be, I'm going to be frank with you. I, I'm not, I'm not excited yeah. about spending an early day three. Like, like 122, that's still the realm of like picks that matter, and they're drafting a backup quarterback today, which I kind of agree with Kent. Like, I get there is some appealing physical traits with Jaron Hall, but he's kind of struggled to put them all together consistently, and he's working out of a BYU offense that has been very friendly to college quarterbacks over the years. They give you a lot of free YOLO balls down the sideline. And he throws them really, really well. So he is very Zach good at it. And I'm not trying to equate him to Zach Wilson. That's not fair to either player. It's just, it's the same system. You saw Wilson have a lot of success in that system because the reads are limited. And even when you get off script, there's still other stuff coming open. You always have the sideline YOLO shot to fall back on. So it's just, I have my reservations about him as a player in general, let alone using real draft capital on a backup quarterback. I mean, Jaron Hall doesn't come in and immediately replace Shane Buchel. And I I don't even love Buchel as a backup quarterback, but he doesn't immediately take his job. No, I'd agree with all of that. And I think if the Chiefs are considering a player like this, it's because he's excellent on the whiteboard. Like, that's, that's what it means to me. It's not something you look at this guy and you say, okay, Everything about him is tantalizing. Like, they, this guy, they they just can't wait on a player like this to develop behind Patrick Mahomes. No, it's a guy that you're probably looking at that's maybe a career backup, a guy that you're hoping that you don't have to rely on for very long, but it has to be a guy for Andy Reid to be this in love with him. And yes, I know we can make all the BYU jokes that we <laughs> want here, but 
to be this in love with him, it must mean that he's showing more on the whiteboard than maybe we've seen some other BYU quarterbacks come out and, you know, translate to the NFL game. Because, yes, I agree with these guys. The offense is what it is. It's pretty limited. They see a lot of open looks. Yes, he's got a lot of touchdown the field when he's throwing downfield. It's got to be something that he has just impressed them when he's been on the whiteboard. And we know how far that goes with Andy Reid, with this coaching staff, with Matt Nagy. Again, you know, a pick like that is way too rich for my blood. It absolutely is. I'm I'm definitely not going to be happy with that. But if you told me at the end of the draft, all of a sudden you're you're adding a guy like Jaron Hall and Andy Reid has that much faith in him on the whiteboard. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on board with it because you're adding a third guy behind Shea Buchel. Jaron Hall, yeah, I think Jaron Hall day three I can I can live with. Um, depending on the pick, another guy, you know, our day three option. We were throwing Chase Bryce out there just because of vibes. That like that was one of the most fun interviews we had at the East West Shrine Bowl. I'd also keep an eye on Clayton Tune. I like him uh, as a as a day three option. Good linear athlete, actually. Uh, pretty good linear athlete. Can layer all, you know, can layer the uh, layer the ball all three levels. You know, comes with a lot of productivity. He's a guy that I would keep an eye on on day three as well. But we got to move on to more positions. Running back time and the day one option, of course, has to be Bijan Robinson, the all world running back. He's a blue chip player, and we've had the conversations about you know the value of a, a running back in the first one first round. The end of round one, this is a bona fide blue chip player that you could be potentially getting. He's the day one option for us. I I think it's pretty obvious, right? You're dealing with one of the best running back prospects that come out since Saquon Barkley. I think they, you know, some people even probably have him similar to Saquon Barkley. I think Barkley is a different level of athlete, so I don't, I wouldn't quite go that far. But Bishon Robinson's a near flawless running back prospect. We're seeing here on these highlights. If you're watching this, he's catching the ball downfield. He's running between the tackles. He's running outside the tackle. Like there's nothing that Bijan Robinson can't do. Oh, and he's doing this at 215 pounds, sturdy, like. There isn't really any flawed Bijan Robinson's game other than the fact that he plays running back, Craig. Yeah, that's the biggest flaw with a round one player. And luckily the Chiefs, once again, we went through this a little bit with Clyde Edwards Elaire, which I know don't don't confuse these two players. They're completely different players, but the value there is tough. It is tough to swallow, especially when you're looking at a group where the wide, the running back room, you're pretty happy with Isaiah Pacheco spending a pick on this kind of guy. It, it brings up some questions, but the value is tremendous. Like, this guy is a top five or six football player in this draft. He just absolutely is. He's that good of a football player, and literally the only reason why he would be available at 31 is simply because he's a running back. And yes, the analytics say that value is not good, that you don't need to spend that, but what he could do in this offense, catching the ball, pass blocking, running the football, transforms it a little bit. It, it, yes, you don't want to lean completely on the run. You have Patrick Mahomes quit taking the ball out of his hands. I fully agree with all of that. But Bijan just offers you that kill-off-the-game mentality, that breaking clay, case of emergency mentality. And I know that's a tough pill to swallow at round one, but think of the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes injured. You're having to lean on the run game a little bit more. Isaiah Pacheco is wonderful. Bijan Robinson is a game breaker. He is he has that potential as a player and adding that kind of potential to an already dynamic and efficient offense certainly makes you a better football team even if the value of a round one running back isn't what a lot of people want it to be. 
Yeah. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian even mentioned Bijan Robinson probably could have played slot receiver for them. So I think that tells you a little bit about the player that he thought they had at Texas. Uh, there he is. So we'll uh, get running us oh, just a kid there. <laughs> Before we move on, if the Chiefs were to draft Bijan Robinson, what, what would you tell fans that would want to, you know, talk about Clyde Erdsy Lair flashbacks Ooh. and having, and just like the, the pain that comes with that? Like, how would you talk them down off that ledge? Okay. So Bijan Robinson is a first round grade running back, first of all. Uh, he is he one better. of the, that doesn't happen yeah, often, by the way. The kid saying that is, he's one of the, yeah. he's one of the fifty for us. He's one of the fifteen first round grades that we handed out in the twenty twenty three yeah. NFL draft. He is a higher grade than we gave anybody that was coming out of the running position at that class, including Jonathan Taylor. The thing with Clyde edwards alaire is the athletic profile mattered. You know, there were so many unique things that he did on the field. But he wasn't able to really, un- you know, to, to to completely uncoil all those things because the athletic profile and the size just to, simply didn't allow him to reach that full, you know, version that we saw at LSU. Bijan Robinson checks the boxes that you that Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't, and he does it in a bigger frame, and he does it faster, and he does it with a bigger catch radius, and you know maybe he's not the best pure route runner that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is. But his athleticism allows him to run a poorer route that creates more separation. I mean, that's just what we've seen from Clyde Edwards-Lair is just tried and true. Like, this is what he is. And the athleticism is going to keep him from being anything more. Bijan has more physical upside to be able to be a lot more than that. Matthew, there's, there's, I, I want to, we, we need to move on probably because we've got a lot of positions to hit. Yeah. Uh, but there is a, there is a tank of a day two prospect that you very much enjoy watching play the game of football. Would you say that he's big to me as well? <laughs> yikes. Okay. That oh yeah, that tank of a prospect is good, but that's yikes. Um we will with Tank Bigsby is <laughs> the best fit on day two. And and listen, if I was gonna say Jameer Gibbs, I just didn't want to chalk it out and put Gibbs as the best fit. I, I mean I, I love Jameer Gibbs. I think he's great. But specifically for what the Chiefs need, if you were looking at this from an aspect of I don't know if Isaiah Pacheco is your bell cow running back. I think he's better as a 1B. He's better as your off-speed pitch since he kind of only throws one speed, right? Like if that's your thought process and you need your running back 1A, a guy that's going to go out there and eat the majority of the reps, it's going to bang between the tackles, he's going to do everything. Tank Bigsby's like kind of for my money, he's the best guy on day two to do everything. I in 2021, he was terrible in pass protection absolutely terrible and you know maybe the game you depends you decide to watch in 2022 it might still be there however he gave up one pressure all year in pass protection only one pressure on about 50 attempts so he got a lot better he talked about it at the combine he's talked about it he talked about how he took it seriously this year so now you have a running back who's getting better in pass protection that i would say has the second best running instincts after Bijan robinson i think he's the second best pure runner in this class he forced missed tackles almost at the same rate as Bijan Robinson did, and he does it with elusiveness and with powers. He's a guy that I think can do a little bit of everything. So if you want to keep Pacheco as that off-speed pitch, the guy that changes the pace, give me give me Bigsby to be your primary ball carrier and let Pacheco come in after him. I mean, I I can see that being the case. I think the one-two tandem of those guys actually fits almost perfectly. I think that. What Bigsby does in the gap, his agility, his ability to make guys miss, 
Um, it, it basically, Tank Biz, Bigsby works really well when things don't go well. And that's what you kind of want with I, Isaiah Pacheco as your other guy. Pacheco's going to come in there. He's going to run hard. He's going to beat up the second level. He's going to beat up the defensive line. He's going to be a hard guy to tackle. Then you're bringing in a guy that's going to make them miss, going to make them reach for air. And that sort of lightning and thunder combination there makes a ton of sense for Kansas City, especially in the second round. I, I could see them addressing that position second or third round. Sorry, I didn't mean to just isolate it down to pick 63. <laughs> there, but day two of the draft makes a ton of sense. I want to see more willingness and a pass protection. That, again, Maddie's referring to, we had this conversation right beforehand, I watched Alabama in 2022. He kind of noped out of a couple pass protection reps, and that's not something that you would expect him or you would expect the Chiefs to really want as your third down back, a guy that's spelling Isaiah Pacheco. But that is something that he definitely grew from, you know, his entire career there at Auburn. He really grew into more pass protection. So it may not just be the willingness, the want to. He may be still learning. That might be something you bring in, have guys train him a little bit more in that. But certainly as a runner, he makes a ton of sense as almost a perfect complement to Isaiah Pacheco. I'll hit our day three running back real quick before we move on. Uh, it's Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia. And when you're looking at a day three running back, you know, and I, I think you can build a, I think you can build a complementary backfield largely with day three assets. You know, like there's different traits that all these different guys have. Kenny McIntosh has some pass catcher traits. You can flex him out and he can run a little bit of a route tree. Good with the ball in his hands in space. Um, a little bit creative there out there on the edges. Um, good in pass protection. Shows some plus ability as a pass protector at the, uh, at the senior bowl this year. Um, the problem for him is, yeah, he's get out on the edge. Kind of hard to get out the edge when you run a four six. He's not the best athlete. He's not doesn't have the long speed. But I think there's some creativity to his game. There's some ability in space. Good pass pre prote uh, pass protector. Good ca pass catcher. And those are those are traits you can build on. I think that's the kind of guy. Maybe not the best athlete. I want to compare him to Daryl Williams because he's smaller. But I think there's some little pieces of you know how he could fit into a rotation that, you know, kind of remind me of like, hey, pass protector, going to be able to catch those outlets and, and do some something with it. Those are the kind of things that uh, that kind of intrigue me about him. We're going to take a break. We'll get back to wide receiver right after this. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching. 
I hit the subscribe button. <laughs> appreciate everybody that is hanging out with us. Uh, we are doing, we do have the super chat going up right now. Um, it's something that we are playing around with. If you want to uh, support uh, KC Sports Network, you want to throw a comment on there, we'll make sure to get it up. We'll try to answer some questions too. Uh, but we do appreciate everybody that is, is supporting KC Sports Network. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we're going to go to the wide receiver position now for the Chiefs fits day one, two, and three of this draft. And I know wide receiver is the one that like a lot of people are paying attention to. Um, our day one fit at wide receiver. Matt, do you want the honors? Of course. It is It is wide receiver one, Jordan Addison out of USC um, and Pittsburgh. Uh, he's played a boat. <laughs> I think we're going to Pittsburgh because that's where we these highlights are coming from. Uh, I, I love Jordan Addison. Every time I watch, I like him a little bit more. I think if you just watch USC, you see a very technical route runner that does everything that I think you really like. You really like Jordan Addison at USC, right? But when you go back and watch him at Pittsburgh, you see a guy put constantly in the position to be his team's essentially sole playmaker because it, it's Pittsburgh, and it works. I mean, this man got Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round. Like, I think that's all you need to know. <laughs> But we're talking about, I mean, the elite of the elite separator versus man versus zone over the middle of the field from the slot outside. Like anytime you just want a guy to separate, he is the guy that can do that in this class. So if you're looking at the Chiefs wide receiver room and trying to pick out what they're missing, they're missing somebody that's reliable. They can just constantly get open, pick up first downs. I mean, Addison does that better than anybody else versus zone and man coverage for my money. Absolutely. Uh, he he is an incredible wide receiver the polish is going to make him play day one. Like He's going to fit right into this offense in a lot of different spots, run a lot of different routes, and he's going to do it really well. He gives you a reliable, secure option for Patrick Mahomes opposite of Travis Kelsey, and that's exactly what this team needs. It raises the floor, and he's still got plenty of ceiling there. Yes, the people are going to point to the fact that he's a lighter prospect. He's not got a ton of mass on his frame. Who knows if that's going to translate to the NFL, if he's going to result in him being a little more hurt. But the NFL has taken more stabs on those lighter types of receivers lately, and it has worked out for the NFL. So I do think that maybe we're migrating past that a little bit. After that, you have questions maybe about his long speed, his ability to translate and you know really press a cornerback vertically. But what he does so well underneath doesn't require that for him. His, his head fakes, his shoulder movements, the way that he can you know, Cadence's footwork is really, truly elite. And I, I think that, yes, he's going to be below some of the other prospects, the really high-end prospects in previous drafts, but because it is such a bad wide receiver class, if the NFL lets this guy fall to the Chiefs, he's got the potential to be a 1,000-yard receiver, even in his rookie season. I truly believe that just because he is that good at creating separation and he's that good with the ball in his hands. I, I would love to have Jordan Addison. Uh, Jordan Addison's a guy I kind of just slowly fell in love with, and I think I said this a couple weeks ago. He'd probably be a my guy by now, in the, at this point in the process. Like I've just slowly grown on him more and more. I, I think so. You know, we're talking about you know downfield ability and, and some of the long speed. I remember uh, a former chief named Demarcus Robinson, <laughs> and the best route he ran was a post corner post, and he was very very good at it. And great, great at it. Like the most elite post quarter post route runner of all time. Some are saying, uh, the summer me, I, 
Jordan Addison, like, he's that kind of fluid, loose route runner where he could run a post corner post better than anybody. And he's shown some downfield routes, some double moves, and being able to sell some of those things where, yes, obviously, you'd like to see the long speed be a little bit better and you'd like to see the athleticism, you know, be a little bit better than what it is. But, I mean, this guy's such a loose route runner and he's so good at all three levels running routes. And surprisingly for being as light as he is, he's pretty strong at the top of his routes relative to some of the guys that are his size, like a Tank Dell. I think I think he's stronger than Tank Dell at the top of his route. So, I mean, there's, there's ways to, you know, justify maybe taking a guy that's a little bit lighter because I think he does so many other things well. I think he's just, he's a good football player. I'd be absolutely thrilled if he's the pick at 31. Absolutely thrilled. Right. With the reason I've been the reason I fully buy into him over some of the other guys, I think a lot of Chiefs fans are going to like Quentin Johnston because of the size. But I think you're still lacking the consistency element. The Chiefs have inconsistent wide receivers already. They have guys that you don't trust to be open on any given play already. Some people are going to like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba's ability. You know, I mean, he put up crazy numbers at Ohio State, and I don't want to say that he would be a bad fit. But if you're going to tell me that you want a guy that can play inside or outside, beat man coverage or zone coverage equally. I've seen Addison do it in two different offensive systems. I've only seen JSN do it one time as part of an elite offense with a bunch of other guys around him taking a lot of attention. It's just Addison checks every box besides the weight. If it wasn't for his weight, if you added 10 more pounds on him, I don't think there would be any questions. To your point, 449 isn't slow. People just for no. some reason thought he was going to run in the four threes, so we decided that four four nine was too slow. He has no issues getting vertical. Now it does take a double move. He doesn't run by guys, but he throws a double move out. He easily stacks corners, and his ball tracking skills are absolutely top tier. I mean, top tier, and he doesn't let a defensive back, he doesn't let a corner distract him, doesn't let him push him out of the catch point. So yeah, he might not run by guys, but he can still be a vertical threat based on all those things. Just. I think we kind of got tired of talking Jordan Addison throughout this process. We found out that he weighed 173 pounds and didn't run a 4-3, and we decided to be a little bit hypercritical of it this entire time. All right, let's move on to the day two fits. Uh, and this is a, a guy that I think, Craig, you, you did, is this the one that you watched with Matthew as well, and you kind of came away just oh yeah, big time enamored with. Uh, it's Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss is the day two fit for the Kansas City Chiefs, Craig. He's a bully, uh, really physical wide receiver, loves to just, uh, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that you can slot in and play, you know, as a run blocker on the outside, which is what the Chiefs went and got a ton of last year and tried to use them, you know, to bounce things to the outside. Jonathan Mango is willing, just more than willing, is going to shove guys completely out of the play. Fantastic run blocker but also is a pretty decent route runner. He's got a lot of room to grow in that regard, but a bigger player does really kind of play, doesn't attack the ball in the same way that you would like, but these are all things that are going to be able to be fixed. He's a really good athlete. He, I get real strong A.J. Brown vibes, who the Chiefs tried to trade for last year. I think that he fits in as an X receiver in this offense. I think that he's got a good potential, maybe not to play a ton in year one, which, I mean, if you're talking about a day two wide receiver, there's not a ton of those guys, especially in this class that doesn't have a ton of depth in it that you're going to look at and say, okay, they are going to be day one contributors. They're going to play a lot in the rookie year. I just look at his ceiling and I look at his growth path and I see a guy that not only fits really well in this offense with what they want to do, 
but also offers a little bit higher ceiling and an ability to kind of slot in in year two, year three. That's definitely a future move. But again, in day two, you're making future moves anyway. Go get me a guy with that athletic profile that can also be physical and play the way that you've got guys in the room already. And so Mingo's an entirely different type of wide receiver than what we just talked about with Jordan Addison, right? So like we're sitting here in pounds. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about best fits, right? And we're saying, okay, Addison's a great fit because he creates a separation, because he's reliable, because he attacks all three levels, so on and so forth. And so how does Mingo then fit in as the best fit for the next round, right? Seeming so, mean, he's the exact polar opposite. He's a little bit less consistent right now. He's not really doing much on the intermediate part of the field. It's kind of now balls or deep shots. But I think what you look at is you look at the Chiefs offense and how it functions, right? Juju Smith-Schuster really did two big things for the Chiefs last year, and I don't know, I think it gets undersold. He was not only their possession guy, the guy that reliably got open when Travis Kelsey wasn't able to do it, he was also the guy that went across the middle of the field and had to do all the physical stuff. Addison was accomplishing part one, the separator, the guy that's consistently getting open. Mingo does the second part. He's the guy that would be working over the middle of the field, doing a lot of the dirty work. You're not really going to find a guy that's able to do both in this draft class. So Mingo kind of fulfills that role. And to Craig's point, you hope he grows. You hope the footwork that he flashes, you can coach it up and get it to be consistent. You hope that you get him to use his hands a little bit more throughout his route stem so that he creates the separation that a 220-pound wide receiver with his explosive ability should be able to create. So yeah, it's a little bit bigger of a swing. There's a lot lower of a floor here with Mingo. Not that he'd be bad. He can definitely go block and be a middle-of-the-field target that's big and physical, but you don't have that same high floor, but you maybe have a little bit higher ceiling just because of the overall physical profile. And yeah, he's not devoid of ability off the top either and it's like you could put the ball in his hands and watching him with the ball in his hands is terrifying like you forget sometimes that he's 220 pounds that's an asset in and of itself being able to move run a 446 at 220 pounds the ball in your hands that's a that's a trait right there um i i actually came away a little bit more like i watched him run this little seam seven route you know a little inside stem out route i was i can't wait i was like okay there's there's some more in there as he continues about we saw some of the reps that he had at the senior bowl like there's some things there's some things to work with and like you can't coach 6 to 220 like that's a unique frame to to build off of in a really strong athletic profile so he's an intriguing uh he's an intriguing day two fit for sure day three <laughs> we struggled <laughs> oh, we didn't struggle i love this pick go for it Kayshawn Booty. It's pronounced Booty, apparently. I thought it was Boutte. It is not. It's Booty. It is Kayshawn Booty out of LSU, one of the absolute worst athletes you were going to find in the wide receiver <laughs> position in all of combine history. But goodness gracious, watch him play Georgia, watch him play UCLA, watch him play in the SEC and point out a single time where he does not look like a plus athlete on the football field. And I get it. This athletic testing's out there to put, strip everybody down to equal footing. You were moving system. You were just seeing raw athleticism, and he did not pass that test. But still, literally go back and watch him play in the SEC and try to pick out where he doesn't look more explosive. He doesn't look faster. He doesn't look like a guy that is thriving, not entirely on athleticism, but it was a big part of his game. And so sometimes the things just don't match up. We're talking day three here. I'm okay taking that athletic outlier risk at this point in time, right? 
And if he hits, if you if you can get Booty to play like he did as a freshman or even towards the end of this past year as a senior or before he got hurt as a sophomore, like I can pick out games from every year where he was really darn good. If you get that guy consistently at day three, you get a real wide receiver. You get a guy who can play outside, who can play in the slot and, a, and can run a route to all three levels and get open as he's kind of shown. So I, I think in day three is when you kind of start to take that athletic swing. And I don't know how many wide receivers in this draft class outside of the round one guys can profile as an inside outside wide receiver that can win short, intermediate and deep. He kind of can, at least he has in college. So maybe that'll translate to the NFL if you can get him to play at his best. You get a little bit of Terrence Marshall vibes when you watch him a little bit winning on the vertical plane um you know maybe had some concentration drops but was able to translate that speed you know really well in the sec the question just comes where did that go well maybe it came from two ankle surgeries that he had to have that maybe sapped his athleticism a little bit that's a guy you bring in for multiple medical checks and try and make sure he's okay you've had a guy like that maybe even a day three guy i mean we saw the Chiefs just do this with Justin Ross, who was a UDFA, but you take a gamble on a UD, on Kajon Booty and you just say, hey, listen, we're redshirting you year one. Get healthy. We hope you recapture some of that speed, and we're going to put you in more of the MVS role, you know, try and work off of that linear plane, try and be more of a vertical threat. Yeah, it makes sense as a day three guy. I just wonder if that athleticism is ever going to come back because it was there. Like it absolutely was there. This guy, what he tested like at the NFL combine is not the athlete that he is certainly, but will he ever be able to recover it? That's the big question. Let's, let's say he's a red shirt type player. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guess how old he is. His first full season in the NFL. If he takes a red shirt. He's still 22. Kayshawn booty. Has it turned 21 yet? I'm sure he could probably get a drink or two in Baton Rouge, but he's not allowed to right now, legally. He's turning 21 May 7, 2002, or in May 7th. He was born May 7, 2002. So even, you know, the developmental timeline for him, if maybe he t- maybe it's a, it's a year one, you know, kind of red shirt, you're still getting a 22-year-old receiver who would have technically not been 22 on draft day if you took him. Like, I mean, real young guy, maybe he figures it out at the next level. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody hanging out. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Remember, we have a new app available. You can download that. Search KC Sports Network on your phone, wherever you get your apps. You'll be able to find it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got the super chat running. We're, we're playing around with that as well. So if you want to leave a comment, by all means, feel free to do so. It's time to move on to the tight end position and the day one fit at tight end is Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Oh, am I going for Michael Mayer too? Okay. Um, (laughs) Michael Mayer. Sometimes I said it with Addison. I think it's even more evident with Michael Mayer. Sometimes, uh, we overthink things. Five-star recruit. Goes to Notre Dame, where he's technically behind two other tight ends that have gone on to play and get drafted and play in, on day two in the NFL, and he looked like the best tight end on the field as a true freshman. He has then come out in only three seasons and set all kinds of records for Notre Dame tight ends. It's not like Notre Dame plays a cupcake schedule all the time. He plays against NFL-level athletes. He has outplayed NFL-level athletes at the same position. Sometimes I think we just get bored of guys 
and we try to pretend they didn't do these things. Michael Mayer is going to step on the field as an NFL-level tight end, and he can catch the ball, he can block, he's going to do everything you want in space over the middle of the field. Yeah, maybe you want him to run a tenth of a second faster in a straight line for 40 yards. I get it. Maybe you want him to jump a couple inches higher, but he's still a good athlete. He's not even average. He's a good athlete right now that can come in and do absolutely everything that you ask out of him. I mean, the thing that we do with Michael Mayer, and I addressed this on the lab, you know, kind of last week, you move Travis Kelsey to the X wide receiver, and now you've got two guys that are really good that you can put on the field together. He's a good blocker, good, true, Y tight end, and in-line sort of guy frees up Travis Kelsey to do this. It, it, the question just becomes, is that worth a round one pick? And I know jo- Joseph, who you know writes at KCSN here, j- just chill out with the whole round one tight end stuff. I know, I know you're clamoring right now, but no, it, it is one of those that I think for Kansas City does make some sense because of what it allows Travis Kelsey to do. It extends his career a little bit as a guy that's not in the muck down there in the deep. And so Michael Mayer kind of frees up in a multiple different areas. He makes you a better football team. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Natty. He's just a really good football player. He, he just really is. And because we devalue tight ends, because he's just kind of been around and hung around this entire time, and then he doesn't test off the charts at the NFL Combine, everybody just kind of shuffles him down the row like they did with Jordan Addison. But he's a really good football player, would be a really good addition to this team. Yeah, I, I think it, helping prolong Travis Kelsey's career a little bit probably has some intangible value or some tangible value to this football team too. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy kind of, sometimes he kind of moves like a Mark Andrews. Like he looks a little bit like a Mark Andrews moving at times, running his routes. But like, I think he's a cape, like he's good at a lot of things. Like maybe he doesn't have the elite trait that everybody else does, but he's so good in so many different areas. And he can, like you said, he can play in line. Uh, he's a capable route runner. I think he's got great hands. That might be one of his better traits. He does have really great strong hands. So I do appreciate that about him. But there's just a lot to like about him. And I wouldn't have a problem if he was the first round pick. I mean, if the, if you if the Chiefs get all the way down to, um, you know, to pick 31 and and they take him, I'm gonna be happy. This is a, a player I really like. I think he's gonna be a a solid NFL player. And I think. Even though he doesn't have maybe the elite traits, I think Patrick Mahomes would get an, a ton out of Michael Mayer, perhaps the most out of Michael Mayer. Let's look at our day we're two. We're this Chiefs fans. No, no, we're getting this off. We're spoiled as Chiefs fans. We think every tight end has to move like Travis Kelsey to be a good athlete, <laughs> and we forget what tight ends move like in the NFL. Like, tune into any other 31 other teams play football and watch up, their tight up. end. Minus the Falcons. Go ahead. He's hurt, so nope, you can still go watch it. <laughs> like, still watch it. <laughs> like, like, legitimately, go watch any other – you can even go watch George Kittle. He's super explosive. He's a great athlete. I'm not trying to say George Kittle isn't a good athlete, but watch him go run a route. It still looks different than it does when Travis Kelsey runs the tight end. Don't compare guys to Travis Kelsey as movers at the tight end position. Nobody moves like that. Like, we got to we gotta remember that. Well, our, our day two uh, best fit for – the Kansas City Chiefs at the tight end position. If you go look up his relative athletic score of 9.68, his relative athletic score comp is Travis Kelsey. Uh, it's Chucker Craft <laughs> out of South Dakota State. He actually has the most similar profile to Travis Kelsey. That's his, that's the, the most similar profile to him in this class. And this, I don't think this was a Maddie My guy, but it was pretty close to being a Maddie My guy. Oh, no, he's a Maddie My guy. Did he make it? Yeah. I, I learned 
99% sure Tucker Craft is a Maddie My Guy up. He plays nothing like Travis Kelsey. So don't go in expecting a Travis Kelsey mover. <laughs> he, uh, he moves a lot more like Michael Mayer than he does Travis Kelsey. I want to get that out of the way because he moves like a normal tight end that's a good athlete. Uh, but he can block. And that's the thing. We're talking about a, a you know group of five player come in, but he'll go out there and block. And when you look at how they used him, they got him the ball in space and let him create after the catch. They threw him vertical passes down the sideline over the middle of the field. It's really the same conversation we had with Michael Mayer. I just think he's clearly like the step down from that and maybe a little bit less technical right now because that's why he's also playing at South Dakota State and a senior and not a junior coming out of Notre Dame, but same concept. He lets Travis Kelsey never play in line, and he's a guy that you can actually use as a tight end that can go down vertically down the middle of the field. You get the ball on the flat and expect him to make something happen. He blocks well on the move in line. He does a little bit of everything. So, like, I really like Tucker Craft. He's he is my best tight end outside the top four, and I think he's for me. He's really close to Dalton Kincaid, and I'm a little lower on Kincaid because I don't think he can block at all. So, like, like he's closer to that top group than I have him as the second group. Tucker Craft can move. Like he is deceptive. Like when you see him come off, like yeah. he he's he's thick. He's he's well built as a tight end, but he is extremely elusive for a tight end in the open field. Like he makes guys miss regularly with, you know, just little shimmies, runs through guys. He's got good yak ability and they put the ball in his hands a lot at South Dakota State. And so, yeah, you look at that and you're like, okay, the level of competition is what it is. He really did a good job of eliminating angles and making guys miss enough to make you go, oh, wow, like uh, he, he can block and he could do this sort of stuff after the catch. It would be a good addition to the room. Yeah, I'm with Maddie. Yes, he moves really well, does not move anything like Travis Kelsey, but is able to kind of go up the seam, is able to make a cornerback, you know, kind of shrug off of him, gets tough extra yards. And for a second tight end, that's going to show up and block a little bit, that's exactly what you're wanting as a compliment in this offense for, you know, 30% of the snaps or something like that, however often they go into 12 personnel. I think he'd be fun. I, I don't know how much he's going to contribute year one, you know, coming from a smaller school. It is definitely a step up, but he's a really fun prospect. All right, I'm going to talk about our day three prospect at the tight end position real quick. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, it's good to see him starting to get a little bit more love in day two for me personally. This is one of my guys. Brighton Strange, the tight end out of Penn State, 6'4", 253 pounds. He's not necessarily your true Y inline guy. So I don't think he's, you know, I, I think he can. I think he's capable of doing it. I don't think that's going to be his calling card. Like, he can play as a sniffer. He can play off the line of scrimmage. I think you can use, you know, pull him off the line of scrimmage, and, and he can block capably. He's good in space. Um, I don't think he's a bad blocker by any stretch of the word. He's a pretty sudden linearly explosive player like i actually think he gets on defensive backs pretty quick like on a vertical plane he's pretty good i know he didn't necessarily test as a great linear athlete but i think there's a little bit more to him than some people think matthew um as a you know being able to make some of these you know breaks you know i know, I know this isn't this isn't nice favorite guy but um yeah i i do appreciate i think i think he can you know, he's capable of running some option routes i think he has a little bit more He's not as tight as I think some other people might believe. And I know the testing doesn't back that up either. But I do believe in him. I like him uh, in, in multiple areas, not just running up the seam. But be an interesting prospect. He's not necessarily your true Y type. But he's, I don't want to call him a tweener, but he's hes a good football player. And I think he wind, winds up, wind up, he might get drafted in day two when it's all said and done. Let's, uh, let's move on to the tackle position. 
and our first round day one best fit at offensive tackle is Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. He seems like a guy that probably, you know, the the, the, the closer you get to the draft, this might be the, the top tackle with the best chance of actually making it. Seems like Darnell Wright's getting a lot more love as time goes on. And Maddie, it feels like Anton Harrison seems like the most realistic guy that could actually be there for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think in the tackle spot, I, I'm Darnell Wright's going to be gone. I I'm not 100 percent sure that Anton Harrison has a great chance to be there, but there he's the guy that there is a chance to be. And the reason that he would be, he's coming out of an offensive system that really doesn't pass set like ever. It's even worse now without Lincoln Riley. It's not like Lincoln Riley had them do it a ton, right? But it's even worse now. So it's just a lot of these weird, look at these wide splits he's dealing with. You can see in the highlights, he's just kind of standing up and then mirroring guys. So you don't have a ton of pass sets actually coming out of him. But what you notice is, oh, wow, he just stands up and then mirrors a uh, defensive end. And he does so because his feet stay light. He's got really good footwork to where he can just slide laterally back and forth. His hands kind of work independently of his feet so he can shoot his hands, corral rushers and control them the entire time. And once his hands are connected to a guy, he has great core and grip strength to kind of hold them in place. So there's a lot of stuff to work with. And then the Chiefs, we've seen it with Orlando Brown Jr. And you've seen it with guys they've taken recently. They're not afraid to rework an offensive tackles pass set if they think that's the biggest weakness. They pay a little bit more attention to the physical traits rather than what they've shown they can actually do with their footwork on the play. So he kind of makes sense in that regard for the, the project aspect that Andy Heck likes to take on. Absolutely. And I think that you saw against some of his best competition, especially against uh, Felix Anaduke Uzama, that he really stepped up and played really well against that guy. Did a good job of you know, making sure that he didn't get it beat up the arc on those true pass sets that he actually did have to do. And did a good job anchoring against that guy. Now, you maybe look at him a little bit and you say, okay, you know, he, he does struggle with power at times at the NFL level. That is certainly something that will need to be cleaned up. But he is a good athlete, and he's got the requisite length. So, I mean, at, at pick 31, you're going to be choosing from a guy that you're going to have to give up something because it, offensive tackles that are good do not last to 31. Anton Harrison might be a best-case scenario for the Kansas City Chiefs as far as an offensive tackle goes because he checks a lot of boxes for Andy Reid, has that requisite athleticism, and is probably a guy that Andy Heck is going to look at and go, I can mold that, I can shape that, I can add a little more strength and anchor to this guy and really get him to play the way that I want him to play football. Question just is, coming out of that Oklahoma offense, how long is it going to take to get to that point? Is year one going to be a rough transition to the NFL? Or is he a quick learner that's going to come in and be able to maybe have a rough first quarter to half of the year, but really improves in the second half? Sounds like Orlando Brown. Uh, speaking of Oklahoma offensive linemen, I mean, I, I, the good news for him is you've seen a lot of OU offensive linemen have success, you know, maybe even out of the Lincoln Riley offense, like maybe it doesn't translate entirely, but you've seen them be able to translate because there's just always typically a lot of talent. He's still a young guy. He's still a young guy too. Uh, just turned 21 in February, February 2nd. So this is just another young multiple prospect. You know, if you're able to, you know, get him and he hits, like you're looking at a you know a nine year contract a nine year player contract player before he turns thirty, those are guys you would prefer to keep around. So definitely Anton Harrison is a guy to pay attention to. Uh, our day two guy is a day three guy for a lot of people that keeps. Here's the thing: everyone calls him their day three sleeper. 
You and I call a day three sleeper a day two, two a day two draft pick. Like Nick Saldaveri is continuing to gain momentum the more and more this draft prospect continues. This man's probably gonna wind up going day two. That's why he's uh he's our day two tackle to watch here, Matthew. Uh, yeah, but well, actually, I'll take it from Matthew. I know he doesn't really like to talk about Big Salad very much, so That's I can true. take No, Maddie, please That's go fair. ahead. This is one of Maddie's my guys, too. I was I was just going to say, yeah, I'll take any chance I can to talk about Big Salad. So this is this is good. Um, So here it is. I think Kent nailed it. I I would have had him as he was my day three sleeper, quote-unquote, but I would have targeted him kind of in the fourth round going into this. There, I don't even know if he makes it to the Chiefs at 96. I, you look at the physical profile, six foot six, 320 pounds, a little short on the arms, just a little bit over 33 inches, but that still clears. That clears the benchmark the NFL cares about. So he hits all the physical metrics. He's tall. He's thick. He's got long enough arms, good footwork, explosive offensive tackle. And like, oh, okay, he kind of checks all those things. You go watch him. The footwork is exceptional. You can tell he's athletic just the way his feet moves. Yeah, his hands carry low and wide. Yeah, he shoots them at various times, and his hands do need a lot of work. But the thing is, he stays balanced because of his footwork. He has enough power that he can land his punch or he can absorb and recover. He needs some work on his strength. That's expected coming out of Old Dominion. His technique with his hands isn't perfect. These are things you expect. But what really drives him home is, I think, being the perfect fit for the Chiefs and why he's not getting out of day two. He can play all five positions along the offensive line. That matters to the NFL. He's played right tackle, left guard, right guard, and I believe he played a little bit of center and Donut Mobile at the Senior Bowl. So he's played four of the positions. He hasn't technically played left tackle yet, but watch his feet. Like he could fill in there. So can play five positions, has offensive tackle build, hits all the benchmarks, and has athletic feet and is an explosive mover. It's hard to see that guy making it to day three in any, in any way. That's an Andy Reid offensive lineman if I've never heard it. <laughs> Andy Reid, Andy Heck. Um... Yeah, inside the I think some teams even consider him a center. So like he's just I mean, yeah, the the positional versatility is valuable, and he's a good football player on top of that. A uh, day three guy that we had a chance to look at at the East West Shrine Bowl, Craig, was Carter Warren out of Pitt. He's our day yeah. three tackle to watch. Yeah, absolutely. One of the few guys that I think that when we when we got to see him a little bit, like he he popped in those sorts of drills. It's not always geared towards the offensive tackle. Yeah, you look at him a little bit. Maybe maybe his hand timing's a little off. He gets a little grabby, especially his feet are a little bit slower. And so you look at him and it's like, oh, I don't know if he really fits in the Andy Reid mold. And then you kind of scroll through his measurables and you check out arm length. 35 and 5.8s. Never mind. He's a perfect fit for an Andy Reid offense due to his length. I think he makes a lot of sense as a day three project at tackle. Got the requisite length. He was a team captain. So, you know, this team really loves trying to get those high character football guys in here. I, I think he's got good enough movement skills to try and, you know, kind of play that way. He's got good recovery, at least in that part. And then I do like the way that he kind of checks back inside with his inside hand a little bit. He doesn't get beat inside a ton. That is what we know as an Andy Heck hallmark. He wants to check inside first and then gain depth. With that length, it gives you a little bit more ability. You don't have to have the natural athleticism to climb the arc a little bit there. So Carter Warren, for a day three guy, having that kind of length, having that ability might be kind of a unique fit for Andy Heck and Andy Reid's offense. 
that may be able to be a swing tackle or a contributor along you know, along the line at some point in his rookie deal. That's about all you can ask for for a day three offensive tackle. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you're watching. Appreciate everybody that's been hanging out. We're breaking down. We've been breaking down the day one, day two, day three fits for every single offensive position. We got one more left. It's interior offensive line. And our day one best fit for the Chiefs on the interior offensive line is John Michael Schmitz being drafted before the Chiefs pick. Or any interior offensive lineman, you name it. Like I really don't think there's a ton of positions that are truly off the board for the Chiefs when it comes to their first round pick. I'd be a little bit surprised if the Chiefs went with a day one interior offensive lineman. Osiris Torrance is awesome. I don't think he's going to be the pick. I think he's probably gone before anyway. So let's move on to day two, where I think there's at least realistic scenarios that you could see uh, the Chiefs starting to look at the interior offensive line or the offensive line. And Tyler Steen out of Alabama is a guy that is definitely has uh, has our attention, Matthew. He does. Uh, it, he's a lot of the same conversations I kind of had about Nick Saldaveri in terms of being able to play multiple positions, being a tackle. I think Steen, though, he's coming in under 32 inches uh, and his arm length. And you look at his build, he's really thick in the lower half and he's kind of got the, a pear-shaped body. So he looks like a guard, right? He looks he's like playing a left tackle he, for those watching right now. Yeah, 54 playing left tackle. The guy that looks like a pear. The thick lower half, he kind of moves like he's scooting around, but he's got good power. He can dig guys out in the run game. I just... I think he's going to be better off not playing in space at tackle. So you move him into guard. And we know the Chiefs love taking tackles, kicking them inside to guard. And then you all of a sudden get a guy that was an adequate tackle, or ad- adequate athlete at tackle becomes a plus athlete at guard. You have a little bit better pass protection out of them. Like, yeah, you have to teach them to run block a little bit more, except for when you're the Chiefs and you don't really care to run the football. So it like works out perfectly. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, this is a guy that's still learning to play offensive line a little bit he he started his career at Vanderbilt as a defensive tackle and we know what has happened this isn't a Khalil McKenzie thing or anything like that but started as a defensive tackle transitioned over to the offensive side of the ball at Vanderbilt ended up being their left tackle and then was a graduate transfer to Alabama as an offensive tackle so guy that maybe hasn't seen a ton of really excellent coaching as an offensive lineman in his career yet now you bring him in here. Yes, he's got 32 and three quarters inch arms, so he's probably not playing tackle for Andy Reid. Bring him in here. Make him the heir apparent to Joe Tooney. Make him somebody that can slot in on the interior, maybe behind Trey Smith a little bit. You give yourself a little more flexibility there. I, I think he's a really good football player. I think that he's got, you know, again, high football character and everything that they really typically like of an offensive lineman. If the board fell to where there's a bunch of run on like wide receivers, edge players, you know, these contributors that we're consistently looking for in day two, Tyler Steen is a high quality pick that's going to contribute to this offensive line eventually, if not year one. And maybe he hasn't always had the best coaching, but he's got a lot of experience. He's played in 47. He started 47 games, most of them with Vanderbilt. Like, so like there's that like 3000 snaps or something, but crazy. he had, he has got to at least play a lot of football. And I do think, yeah, he's probably making the transition. He's definitely making the transition inside. Like, let's just be honest. But I mean, you, you look at the thickness through his frame, you let him play, like he said, in the phone booth a little bit more. Like, I think that's a path to success for him. He was a, he had a pretty high relative athletic score, uh, for what he did test on too. So like, there is some athletic traits to be intrigued by. Tyler Steen, the uh, he's going to be an interior offensive lineman out of Alabama. 
All right, we got one more player left on day three of the NFL draft, an interior offensive line target to watch. It's another pretty big guy. It's Anthony Bradford out of LSU, Matthew. Yeah, another guy that played tackle in spots for LSU. Notice, but noticing a trend here? <laughs> noticing a trend. Now, Anthony Bradford, very much a guard. Uh, okay, I would like an Anthony Bradford. He's not as good, but liken him similar to Trey Smith and a guy that played tackle mm-hmm. was – you could tell there was something there, but it didn't quite click. He just didn't quite look the the best out in space. So you move him inside, and now you have 330 pounds of just massive man coming at you, trying to eliminate you every single play. He gets over-aggressive. He gets out over his toes. He's maybe not the loosest-hipped offensive guard in the entire game. Not that he can't dip and bend, just he doesn't change directions. He doesn't redirect super well. But, man, as soon as he latches onto somebody, he has taken them through the ground. He is pushing them all over the field. So it's just, if you were looking to move on from Trey Smith in the future, but you wanted a similar style player and you wanted to snag that guy somewhere on day three, Anthony Bradford's your guy. And he's not a small guy. You're a small guy. You know, I already said he's 330 pounds, but he's over six foot four. I think he benched the benched 225 pounds, 34 times. You know, like he's a big dude that can throw guys around. So he's kind of a Trey Smith like replacement. Yeah, definitely a guy that you want in more of like a gap or a power scheme. Like he he fits kind of what the Chiefs have migrated to. Andy Reid has been more of a lighter zone offensive scheme there, and they still run plenty of zone, but they transition a lot of their offensive line body types to more guys that are powerful, willing to play in the gap scheme. He visited with the Chiefs already, so they've obviously brought him in to try and see how he fits in the scheme and everything like that. I think he makes a lot of sense. Like you said, you got all that scheme flexibility. You've got the ability to move guys a little bit more, a clear transition towards a power or gap scheme. I, As a day three guy, you know, if you're going to take an interior offensive lineman, that's probably low on your list. He makes a ton of sense for what the Chiefs do. Uh, thank you, everybody that has been watching today. It's been a lot of fun to cover all the best bits, day one, day two, day three on the offensive side of the ball. Come back later in the week. We'll be doing the defensive side of the ball. And make sure you download the app. You'll get all of the content pushed to you as it comes in from all of our different um, shows here across KC Sports Network. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. We appreciate you all. We'll catch you later. Not all tight ends move like Kelsey. Remember that. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.